0: hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the starting group podcast i'm Rome katie and that man shane holcomb is back with us today and of course we have that man over there robbie basil with a little seasoning today uh we just got done watching this singapore race and man it was it was a lot of fun to watch and we kind of me and robbie kind of hyped it up on, on last on yesterday's episode about how like you know just so many good drivers are gonna do their thing and just you know, try and capitalize on the fact that Rebel are going to make mistakes. And they did that today. And specifically Carlos Sainz, because he came out as the winner today. He had an absolutely fantastic drive. I mean, there were a lot of like highs in this race today, I think from multiple drivers on the grid. So uh, for our special guest today, Robbie, I'll go to you first on this one. Uh, What are your thoughts on this race? And uh, what do you, what are your uh, immediate takeaways?
1: When I watched this race? Yeah, I was praising the heavens for max not winning and i think a lot of fans were doing that as well i mean the, the fact that we got to see someone from a ferrari nonetheless this team that we've seen messy mess up strategies left and right not be the ones to mess up today and get a good result a, a, a win for sure i mean that's probably the, that's where, of course the best where you can finish but it, i'm really happy that ferrari was able to pull out the win and I'm glad for Carlos to get his second career win. We hyped him up yesterday, and he delivered with a fantastic drive today. So it was really fun to see.
0: Yeah, he 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 definitely delivered and did his thing today. Shayna, uh, you you uh, you uh, took off yesterday's podcast. We got you back on today, of course. Uh, so I don't know. Just I want to get your thoughts on the past couple of days because I know you weren't on yesterday, but just kind of speak to like what qualifying was like for you, your reaction to that, but also the race too, and how everything just kind of shook out this weekend.
2: For sure. I mean, if I'm going to encapsulate this full weekend of of Formula One racing and just the entertainment value brought from the first free practice session all the way to the race room from Friday throughout the weekend all the way till Sunday, I would probably say it was the best kind of entertainment as F1 fans have gotten in a very long time. I know we've kind of said that this year after some qualifying to drum and such of the things, but, you know, when you put together a full free practice one, free practice two, free practice three, and then follow it up with a great qualifying session and then follow it up with a unique race. I mean, I think it's just a relief to see another team able to put all the pieces together and know that Red Bull isn't quite unstoppable. Obviously, you know, winning the first 14 races of a season is uh incredible feat in and of itself. But, you know, it has been 140 days, Rome, since we've last heard a national anthem that wasn't the Dutch national anthem on the top step of the leaderboard and of that podium so the word that I will use Rome is relief here and also entertainment value I think former the one fans as a whole won this weekend and we'll see if we can get some more races like this going into the latter half of the 2023 season I sure hope so
0: yeah I, I completely agree with you and I think you know yesterday I mentioned the fact that I feel like Rebel has gotten so much of the spotlight and we haven't really noticed like a lot of the fantastically tight battles that have been going on really much up and down this driver's championship grid and this constructors championship grid. Like as you, as you could see from today uh, just Lewis Hamilton jumps into P three in the driver's championship and overtakes Fernando Alonso in that spot. I mean, you're seeing Aston Martin continuing with that trend, Go all the way down to fourth when they were at one point P2 in the Constructors Championship. So, those two things just tell you all you need to know about what else is happening with the other nine teams on the grid. And, like I said, if Red Bull didn't exist on this grid, this season would have been a lot more fun to watch if it hadn't been for the absolute dominance that that Red Bull car and Max Verstappen have been putting together. And like you mentioned, Shane, like, I think this is probably neck and neck with Silverstone for the race of the year. And it might be better than Silverstone. Like I'm not even exaggerating one bit. I feel like when you like, like Shane put it eloquently and perfectly when you look at how this weekend went from start to finish, it was really just something unique, something different. And if we could take it back to last year too, I mean, there was a lot of uniqueness there too with the amount of rain that happened and that long delay that was reminiscent of Monaco from last year as well. So Singapore always gives you unique and fun energy, and this race weekend had it for sure. But we got to talk about some of these drivers first, and I know we touched on a little bit earlier on. But we got to talk about our guy Carlos Science Man. This dude put together an unbelievable drive, and I I kind of especially hyped up yesterday, Robbie. I can attest to uh, Robbie with this as well, and we said that like Carlos Science can put together a great drive and show why he is that number one guy in Ferrari. And he showed that today by a pretty decent margin. And I know that there's this debate going on that Science is now the number one guy at Ferrari, which I agree with. But I feel like Leclerc is still kind of right there. I mean, although I love Carlos Science and the fact that he's by far put together a great season, and I know I haven't been liking Leclerc as much, but I think you still have to take into account that talent that Leclerc has. That's just, you know, unmatched from most drivers on the grid, except Reno you know, Verstappen and George Russell and all those talented guys that come up through F2. I know Max says it all the time that Leclerc is one of the better qualifying drivers ever in the history of Formula One. And I mean, if he carries that weight, it's for a reason. This guy still has talent. But I think now I think we can pretty much confidently say science is that number one guy at Ferrari. I want to I want to bring that question over to you two guys. Real quick and get your thoughts on that, because. I know it's kind of been a contested debate over the last twenty four hours. So, Shane, I'll throw it back over to you first. I know I saw you wearing that Ferrari shirt earlier. So, what what are your thoughts on Carlos Sainz possibly being now the number one driver at Ferrari?
2: Yeah, bro, he's not only the number one driver at Ferrari, but he's also the face of this Ferrari team now. He's got everything that's kind of one that you want to be going for you as a team, especially with the history and pedigree that Ferrari has, obviously. And they haven't won a World Drivers' Championship or this title in a long, long time. Uh, but you know, Carlos Sainz is the face of Ferrari. I think that's kind of my takeaway from this weekend, Rome. And I get it. You know, Leclerc, once in a generation qualifying driver, and don't give me your I mean, You know, he's got over 20 pole positions. Like the record speaks for itself. But Sainz beat him at his own game this weekend, Rome. He outqualified Leclerc by more than seven hundredths of a second. So it's like, if science can out qualify you, then what does Leclerc have over science now? And that's my question. He doesn't have really much anything other than the fact that he has more social media followers, Rome. So yes, I think that science is the new face of Ferrari. I think he's the number one driver. He obviously has the win this season that Leclerc does not. Um, He converted the pole position into a victory, which Leclerc cannot say he did back in Azerbaijan in the first couple races of the season. And Science felt like he was in control. He talked about how he felt like he was in control from lap one to lap 62. Rome, he led this race. He did not lose the race throughout. That is, I believe, the first time in Carlos Sainz's career. I know he only won. He's only won one race before this in Silverstone, but I don't believe he was leading that whole race uh, back in the summer of 2022. So it shows the poise that the Spanner driver has. It shows the growth that he has made because Let's not forget that a lot of these Ferrari fans, Rome, their eyes are all on Leclerc, You know, their eyes were all on Leclerc, the and their hopes were all in Leclerc to bring them back to glory. And so far the Monegas hasn't been able to do that. Sure, he's put in pole positions here now and then, but when you look at the win column now, and I know Science still is has a disadvantage of that. But you know, when Science and Leclerc have been a Ferrari in the same car room these past two, three seasons, overall Science has been the better performer, the more consistent performer. And I guarantee you, if you ask all nine other team principals, including the Ferrari team principal right now, who would you want out of Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc, they would take Carlos Sainz 10 out of 10 team principals. And I think he proved that once again today, Rome. Obviously, Leclerc had some misfortune, which we might get into a little bit later with Ferrari's pit stop. Obviously, he couldn't be released because of traffic issues in the pit lane which only goes to show that he might be the most unlucky athlete of all time. However, you know, you you put yourself into that situation as well because Leclerc gets passed early on in the race by George Russell, you know, So and also Lando Norris, and then he had Hamilton come up behind him later towards the race when, you know, Mercedes' car was just absolutely wrapped on those soft tires towards the latter end of the race. But, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry I'm extending this a little bit longer than you probably want me to, Rome, but... Uh, Carlos signs. I ended off with this, you know, my, my three words is face a Ferrari, Carlos signs, the Spaniard going forward. And I don't see a reason why the Claire fangirls can challenge that. The moment. They've got nothing going for them. And I respect to the Claire. I think he's a generational driver. I just would rather have Carlos Sainz be on my team right now. If I had, had the pick.
0: Yeah. I think that's a, those are some very interesting points you make. And I remember like, you know, just partially of last year where we were like, like, we we were kind of like questioning what his place was in F1. Like, was he kind of this consistent driver that was just going to get you like a P5 and a P6? Like I remember we were having that conversation last year and just kind of playing second fiddle to Leclerc. But I feel like especially this year, he has taken a huge leap. And I think we kind of, sh- we, I think we were kind of shown shades of this win from Monza too, when he held Verstappen back for 15 laps he was so aggressive. Like I've never seen a dude so aggressive, like drive like that in a very long time. And you could tell he just has that energy and that drive. And I feel like if he continues to do that more often, he'll be in a better situation. And I think just lastly here, like I think, I think this is probably his best season by a wide margin, like in his career. Cause like, you, you you haven't gotten this type of aggression from Carlos Sainz in the McLaren or the Renault, at least to my memory. Like you haven't gotten this type of Carlos Sainz that's going to get the job done and try and get past guys and really just put the pedal to the metal and really just do his thing. So you got to give him credit there. But Robbie, I quickly want to get your thoughts before we move on to the next thing here on Carlos Sainz.
1: My my one thought was when Seamus bring up the points, which I completely agree for you. And I'm puzzled. I'm going to give you guys a complete opposite perspective here. I'm puzzled by the way Ferrari has handled this. And my reason for that is you go back to August, and there was one thing that really ticked me up from August was the rumor of the pre-agreement with Audi in 2026 from that report, from that Australian uh, Australian report, which makes me question even more what the hell Ferrari is trying to do. You're trying to go after a guy who may not be with you in a couple of years rather than the dude that will hopefully stay loyal to your team. It's a weird direction. Now, would I rather sign to Leclerc right now? I mean, someone's reached out to signs for a free agreement in 2026, so someone obviously else wants him. But, of course, I would rather Carlos sign. He's been the red hot. He's in great form. He's done all this extra stuff for you. Yes, but as a face of a franchise? Maybe in the short term, but long term, I can't justify it, Shane. I'm sorry, man. I cannot justify it.
0: I mean, I mean, I can, I can really see those points. Like, I, I mean, I totally get it. Like I mentioned, Robbie, like last year, we were like, like, where is his place in this sport? Like, we don't know where his place is yet. But Shane, I know you wanted to add something into the table here before we move on. Just quickly add your uh, two cents into this.
2: So, Robbie, well, I do completely respect that point of the fact that he can't be the face of a franchise. This guy is literally now more of the face of former the one in Spain and two-time world champion Fernando Alonso. Is. He has more popularity in I, Spain than Fernando Alonso. I couldn't does, agree with more you.
1: I, could not agree, I could not agree with you more on that fact whatsoever. However, it's not more about – my thing is it's as a brand in general because knowing – for your brand to have high leadership, high respect, you have people who will be loyal, who have not gone out and signed free other contracts already. Like, I can't. I can't justify myself saying that Carlos Sainz is the face of a brand when he signed another contract agreement.
2: According to okay, so Robbie, Robbie, I see what you mean by more talented one, but
1: no, no. Let me ask ask you a question. So, what what
2: year what year did you say that he he signed that pre contract agreement with? Just some year again. I think it was twenty five or twenty six. Not sure. All right, exactly. I give him two more seasons with Ferrari. So why can't he be the face of that franchise?
1: Well, wouldn't you want the? I mean, to stay that's kind you... of a
0: valid point, though, Loki. I'm not even well, lying. Well, here's your
1: question. I like that question. I like that question a lot. Let me ask you this then: Why wouldn't you want the dude that's going to stay loyal be the face of your franchise long term? Then, why wouldn't because you? Because I know Ferrari would rather
2: win than have a guy stay loyal to them.
1: I mean, they. I mean, this season they have no experience of winning other than botching strategies. So, I mean, all they've done is botch strategies all season and well they've just Basha put together a
2: perfect two. weekend from fastest in fp1 fp2 fp3 quality and the race what have they done around this weekend
1: all
0: right
2: all right, all right ball, fellas, fellas, ball fellas, ball
0: fellas we got to wrap this up we got to wrap this up i don't want all this right, to right, turn into a first right, take done. segment <laughs> i'm not trying to have this turn into a Stephen a shannon moment but <laughs> i, I, I respect both me. points i respect both points 100 so we got we got to we got to keep this train moving though so Next up, though, I do want to bring up the point of Lando Norris. And I also want to kind of group in those last few laps where Science, Norris, Hamilton and Russell were kind of all in that quartet in the last few laps. I want to get your thoughts on that in a bit. But I first want to talk about Lando's drive today because I really I kind of predicted this off rip. Like, I really thought this guy was going to put together great drive and Robbie was like kind of hesitant to put to put land on the podium and I respect that because they have been kind of on a on a slide the last few races but I don't know man something about mcLaren and those new liveries and the fact that those drivers do really well in those I mean granted Piastri had a very wacky drive which we will get to in a moment but I think you know just off of Lando's Drive specifically, I think you got to give him a lot of credit for what he did today, and to get an- yet another podium on his career docket for stats. So, uh, Robbie, I'll go to you about this first. You know, and like I said, you were very hesitant to put Norris in your podium predictions on Saturday. So, after this race, you've had time to think about this. Now, what what are your thoughts on how Lando did today, and will he? Ha, does did he prove you wrong today? Because I, I mean, I, I for sure thought he did, but I mean, you're you're, you're the person who. Uh, Didn't put him on your podium, so I'll 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 let you speak for yourself.
1: Just two facts to come up with before I make my point. Rome got the, I believe, got your podium entirely correct yesterday. From yesterday, no. Uh,
0: I didn't have. uh, I Hamilton was P three, but I had I had Leclerc P three. Leclerc was like I. Oh, you didn't have Hamilton.
1: um, I thought you were the one that had Hamilton. I think that might. No, I had I had
0: Leclerc. I had Leclerc P three. And
1: one other fact: Max has not has not gone on pole or or led after the first lap. After a show, I've been on. So take that as it. an interesting help. <laughs> but... Can we just keep on bringing Robbie it.
0: back into the podcast every weekend, please? <laughs> hey, maybe he's that good luck charm. We'll take it.
2: <laughs> as I'll gladly I'm come sorry back, in advance, Mac. <laughs> it's not the Singapore curse. It's the Robbie Bezos curse.
1: <laughs> Listen, though, but in all seriousness, this McLaren team, the boys in Papaya love proving me wrong. And while that does piss me off every time that I get proven wrong by this stupid team, you got to keep giving credit to Lando. Yeah. You have to do it. The duty arguably is one of the best drivers in the world. And listen, we've known that for a long time. I've, I had questions from when I was on with you guys in Miami to when I was with you guys in Hungary to now, from yesterday, I've said this same narrative. And question McLaren's legitimacy in a race, qualifying at every long term in a season. I've done it all, and this team is proving me wrong,
0: wrong,
1: and wrong again. So honestly, I should be just keep dissing Lando for no reason because then he's going to go absolutely nuts. But honestly, in short, well played, the Lando. He got kind of got a little bit of help from that George crash at the end, but. Man, he put in a great drive, and it's a well-deserved podium for him and his team, for sure.
0: Yeah, really, really great thoughts there, Robbie. Shane, I'll throw it over to you before we talk about that battle in the last few laps of the race.
2: Yeah, this guy is going to be the next uh, World Drivers champion, not named Max Verstappen. I'm going to make that prediction right now. He's going to be the guy, if anyone's outgrown, the Dutchman, especially, I think, if he continues to have a car like a McLaren who seems to get better over time as the season goes on. We see that that's the most important thing for me, the one to have that consistency. Obviously, these past two seasons at the start of the season, they haven't had that. And they got to fix that if they want to become a Royal Drivers' Championship car. But I think, honestly, Lando Norris, I mean, tell me another guy who's going to who's gonna out-throw and Verstappen that you think has a better chance than Lando Norris and that McLaren. Now, I don't think you can name me one, but I know Robbie has his hand up.
0: All right, Robbie. I'll give you this one thing, and then we got to move on to the next thing because I'm not trying I've, to have, have back and forth again.
1: I just have a brief question for Shane. Oh, good. You can give me one
0: word. Here or you can we give go. Me two go. Words. Here we go. Does, oh boy.
1: <laughs> does, does Norris win the chi- the championship with McLaren? Yes or no? Yes,
2: that's because he won't. He he won't. He won't. He won't play second fiddle to the Max and Red Bull. I don't think that's going to happen. And also. I think it's his best chance because I don't see Ferrari building a championship winning car. I don't trust them. I also don't see Mercedes necessarily getting up there anytime soon, even though they have two drivers who sort are of locked down pretty much for the next two seasons as well. So he won't be going there. So yes, I do believe he can win a world driver's championship in McLaren. I think they will be get back to the world driver's championship days of the two thousands.
0: Very interesting. Stuff. I'll leave it at that. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. 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 Just, just to kind of give my quick, quick two cents on this. Like, I, I don't think it'll be with McLaren because I just don't think they're there yet. I mean, they have been flying as of late, but it's just kind of depends on what the narrative is now. Like whether they'll keep this consistently year to year and it, they'll prove that it's not just this one off because last year they were like one of the worst teams on the grid, like by a pretty decent margin, especially with how Daniel Ricardo was driving at the end of the year. And Lando was kind of doing okay. He got into the points a few races, but I feel like now it's just the narrative is completely flipped on its head with this team. And now we're kind of talking about this team as a top five, top six contender and really just fighting with the big three and big four. If you want to count Aston Martin, and I don't know if you really want to anymore, but I think, you know, with, with with McLaren, I feel like they're in a good position now, but in the long term is the big question. So anyway, what I really want to get into was this battle with the last few laps with Science, Norris, Hamilton and Russell, because... I really felt like, especially just this whole race was the personification of what F1 should be. And I posted this on my Instagram before at Rome Jacob one. If you guys, if you guys haven't followed it yet, go do that now. Um, I said that like those battles are what F1 should be. F1 isn't Max Verstappen winning a race by 10 seconds to the next best driver. It's about those three-way, four-way battles those intense racing moments that, that I was literally on the edge of my seat for five, six, seven laps, or however, however long that battle was between the four of those guys. And you could just tell that they were on their A-game, especially Carlos Sainz, because he was very strategic throughout that whole battle, because he was like, I'm going to keep Lando next to me so that, because I know these Mercedes are going to be super quick, and they're on Lando's tail right now, so i got to make sure I – Tow Lando like a um like a horse horse to a carriage or something like that, and just just keep the Mercedes guys off guard just because like they're they were super fast the whole weekend and you could just tell that their pace was immense this weekend and I just think it was fantastic racecraft, fantastic aggression from all four drivers, and it just was kind of like really great battling right up until the end when George had that crash and Hamilton basically got a free podium just off of that when. It really, should, it really should have been Russell P3, I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. So, I mean, just overall, great battles from those four. I mean, those are just my thoughts on it. Robbie, I'll throw it over to you first on this one. Do you kind of share the same thoughts that I do? Like, do you think that F1 is kind of moving in the right direction now that we had that battle? And now that we're seeing that there is a chance that we can get these battles further on in the future, or will we just kind of stick to the same narrative all season where... Verstappen's going 10, 15 seconds past the next best driver and winning Grand Prix's like it's nothing.
1: The fact that it's possible is a way in my book to begin with. The fact that it's possible. Listen, i, I will be dead honest with you. After Hungary, I didn't think it was possible. I thought Max would win every race and everything would be boring. I would be falling asleep like every other race. And... I think I could say that for myself and a lot of other fans. I think they'd all be on the the same boat with me. And I think after watching this race, there's some hope. But the reason this all happened was because Red Bull bottled it and qualified back. So, listen, there's hope for the future, yes. But in the long term, no. I mean, it's... It's an interesting situation, that's
0: for sure. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with your points as well, Shane. I'll quickly throw it over you before we get into some of the other drivers uh, that that race today. Shane.
2: Yeah, sorry. Can you guys hear me? My mic cut out there for a second.
0: Yeah, I can hear you, you were on mute the whole time.
2: So. Oh my bad. Yeah. Um. So that's probably why. Yeah, you, you can't hear me. Uh, but, uh, Yeah, listen, like obviously today was a fun day for F1 fans and kind of like I mentioned, I bring back this word like a sigh of relief to know that like Robbie mentioned, something like this is possible. And what's to say this can't happen in a place like Suzuka as well? Obviously, you know, Max did win there last year. But if you go back to 2019 through 2014, you know, uh, the one team won that in Mercedes, but it wasn't Red Bull. You know, Red Bull historically has not been amazing around this track, other than the fact that Vettel won it a couple of times in the early 2010s. However, I think that, you know, Max, this might be something that motivates him. And I don't know if he needs any more motivation, to be honest with you. So I wouldn't be surprised if he goes out there and wins by 15 seconds in Japan. It wouldn't shock me whatsoever Red Bull just dominate the whole weekend. But it also wouldn't shock me if this is the turning point for teams to say, Okay, we can do this, we can catch up to Red Bull. Maybe not at Suzuka, you know, maybe not at Qatar, maybe not in Austin, but in twenty twenty four, and that's where all these teams are looking forward to now, Rome. And so it's a sign of hope, it's a sign of belief for these teams like a Ferrari, like a McLaren, like a Mercedes to say, these guys are beatable. You know, this is so irrelevant. But this brings me back to now, Robbie's head coach. Um, you know the good old, uh, you know days in the in the NCAA tournament this past year, where of course, I believe it was FDU who played Purdue in the first round the NCAA tournament, and they saw Purdue and they saw them get beat. You know, and they said, why, why, why can't these guys be beatable? You know, and it's like what they do? They went in there at 16th seed and beat Purdue. super irrelevant. That's just the first thing that comes to my mind, you know? Shout out to Tobin. But, um, yeah, I just think that these guys in Red Bull, I keep on talking about these guys, but, um, yeah, they're beatable. Why why can't a team win a race every now and then? Now, maybe it would take one or two years to get back to maybe knocking them off of the, the Constructors' Championship list. But what's to say that a Ferrari and Mercedes are Dare Save and the McLaren with two really, really talented drivers, guys, in Piastri and Norris, arguably the most talented driver lineup duo on the grid, I might add. Um why can't they do it? You know, why can't they pop a race win every now and then? And maybe it doesn't mean constructors and road drivers championships, but it provides more entertainment for F1 fans. At the end of the day, that's what the TV companies want as well. And that's what the fans are looking for. That's what we're looking for too, because we can only say so much, Rome, over, what is it, an eight-month season, something like that, and if the same things are happening every single race weekend, and we're talking about the same topics, that's not fun. So we're looking for content, and we got that this weekend.
0: Yeah, 100%. There there was a lot of content, a lot of entertainment going on this weekend. So before we get out of here, I just wanted to quickly touch on a few drivers and how they did this race. We'll start with Charles Leclerc first. And Shane, I know you touched on it earlier before about that pit stop debacle that he had, and calling him possibly one of the more more unlucky athletes in sports history. And I, I mean, I mean, I agree definitely for sure. And you you could just see that in the last couple of years that he's been with Ferrari, it's just DNF after pit stop debacle, after crash, after just like anything that could possibly go wrong with him went wrong but I feel like this time he responded to it, which is one of the very few times he actually did that and got himself up into the points in a P four position, which is fantastic for him, especially again, should have been P five, if not for Russell crashing in the last lap. But I think, you know, despite if it's P five or it's P four, to me, it's still a great day for him. And it was it really told me that he's now able to respond from that and not just get down in the dumps about it. So, uh, Shane, I'll go to you first on this one. Like I mentioned, you touched on this again. So if you want to elaborate on Leclerc's race yeah. race
2: as well. No, and I, I hate to be a hater. Like I'm not trying to be a hater, Rome, but is this really a great day for Charles Leclerc? Like I get it, you know, P4 finish whatsoever. But Rome, his teammate won the race, dominated the weekend. He got passed on the last couple laps by both Mercedes drivers where he could have also been on that podium and made it a one-two for the fastest car on the grid this weekend. So for me, I'm walking away. From the Monagas camp, and I'm saying we need to be better. You know, obviously that qualifying session put us in a position to not obviously win this race. You know, and I get the whole strategy thing from the team and being the second guy in the double stop and the double pit stop. But like you're putting yourself in these positions from qualifying, from the free practice session, to not using the data correctly. Your teammate got the victory over you, the person who was supposed to be your Robin to the supposedly so-called Batman. In Charles Leclerc. I don't know if it's such a great weekend for Charles Leclerc. Room. That's just my opinion. But Robbie, I don't know what your thoughts on that are.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's very interesting. Robbie, I'll throw it over to you now. And if you want to rebuttal Shane or eyes points.
1: I mean, I, I mean, disappointing is a little. I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's respectable. It's respectable for the situation that he was in. And Shane can call him a possible new number two driver. Like you can call him whatever the hell you want. But with what he had to work with, you can say whatever you want. I'll just put this one short and sweet. It's respectable. You can argue it have been P5, but listen, anyone could have made the mistake that Russell did. And anyone could have. It could have been Russell. It could have been Science, Norris, anybody. So it's a, it's an interesting argument, but listen – I'll put it short. It's respectable from Leclerc from the situation that he was in. You can argue whatever you want about signs, signs winning the race, anything. But I think I'll put this one short and say Leclerc's result was respectable.
0: Agreed. Nice word to put it there. Uh, the next driver I want to talk about right now, just a little rapid fire, is Oscar Piastri. I mean, this guy had a very interesting weekend, to say the least. I mean, this guy was in P seventeen because of a stroll crash and stroll wouldn't obviously race because of the ramifications of that crash. But I think he actually, again, was just, we talk about unlucky, just being super, super unlucky from the jump. And I mentioned this on the podcast, like he has got a lot of good, good, a lot of iffy drivers ahead of him, especially from where he started. So I was like, let's see him get into the points. And I'm like, and, and this guy went ahead and not just get it, got into the points. But got a tweet key seven, absolutely insane result from him. And I think it just continues to tell us all we need to know about how Piastri is and what his talent is. And I think that combo with him and Lando, Shane and I have been talking about it for the last like nine, 10 months now, is easily the best driver lineup on the grid. No further discussions about that. I mean, and not best driver, not best driver lineup on the grid, but most like talented and most like just hyped up. Lineup on the grid, and I just think that that's because of both their talents. And I think if you look at Piastri's day, he had a great day. So, Robbie, I know you raised your hand. I'll I'll, I'll let you go to your first. I'll, I'll let you go to you first on this one.
1: You can argue that when you hear me coming up talking about a person who started low and finished high, that you can make the argument what I said about Sergio Perez back in Hungary, which is you can pass all those drivers and do all you want. I am not using that comparison here. And you could say it's biased. You could say whatever the hell you want. Short and simple again. Piastri was not as good of a car as Red Bull is. And he started in P17. And to Rowan's point, why couldn't he soar through the field? He did absolutely that. P7 a very good result for the team. I mean, they got P7. Whatever did Atlanta finish? Second. P7 and P2, very respectable. For, once again, respectable result for the team. It's a solid drive from Piastri. I mean, I don't know else how you can word it. I mean, it's a good result for the team. And a car that, I mean, you could, he, did he win driver of the day? Do you know that, Ron?
0: Uh, no, he didn't win driver drive the day. I think it was Carlos Sainz that did.
1: Oh uh, Fair play, then. So, I mean, you could argue that if he won driver of the day, it was like those, that Sergio Perez going from earlier in the season where he qualifies bad and finishes well. But I can't use that argument here because he's not in a good, as good of a car. So I can't use that argument here.
0: Respectable, respectable, like, like like you've been saying the whole time. <laughs> uh, Shane, I'll go to you quickly about this one, about Piastri. Kind of what was your immediate thoughts on how he did today?
2: Yeah, big props to Piastri for not letting the P17 quality. Kind of thing that wasn't really his fault tore him down. Obviously, that Lance Stroke crash and Q1 session kind of didn't let him finish his final flying lap and get it into the second part of qualifying. So it really wasn't. His fault that he qualified 17th, but what did he do? he doesn't complain about it. He just puts in the work and fights all his way up to what did you said, Rome P8. P7, that's a pretty P7. good drive for him. P7, even better. I mean, and you look at the guys that were ahead of him, too. Like, he did, he didn't have to pass amazing guys, but like, he still does the work. And that's the thing that's most impressive for me. Like, this isn't a guy who's crashing and putting it into the wall, <clears throat> Charles DeClair, every other weekend. Um, but yeah, I think that Oscar Piastri is the future for Formula 1, and McLaren is the team of the future for Formula 1. But, Rome, I don't know if you want to finish this in one meeting, but also, I'm not sure if you want to talk about this guy or if this was your last person you want to talk about, but my goodness, I just want to give a really quick shout-out to my friend uh, Liam Lawson, because what a drive from the AlphaTauri substitute driver. I mean, this kid, first points finish in Formula 1, went up to P9, Rome, and I believe he started P10, and one of the worser cars in the grid. And so he's outshine Yuki Sonoda, but he's also given Daniel Ricardo a run for his money for that seat in 2024.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, I, I mean you you read my mind. I was gonna talk about him last. So you, you you definitely won that on that front. But I mean, again, Liam Lawson, third race ever as a Formula One driver, gets to the points. Like that tells me that he's almost a lock to get an Alpha Tari permanent seat in 2024. And like you said, Shane, this guy could be in the Red Bull discussions for that second seat next to Max Verstappen. Like, I I don't think that's out of the question at all. Robbie, a third of you, lastly, uh, talk about Lawson's day and uh, will he get that Alpha tire seat in twenty twenty four? Sorry, my mic wasn't working there for a second.
1: Um, yeah, no, nah, I remember I uh, was watching a pod, a reaction to a pod from a podcast this morning, and there and the um, this won with Matt and Tommy, and they're like. William Lawson, the GOAT, and I, was, and I rewatched the race. And, like, yes, he put in a great drive today. Very resp- – I mean, once again, respectable. But um, Replying that narrative. But here's my question, and this is just a question to think upon. Not, I don't want any of you guys to answer this. Will this turn into the Nick DeVries situation from last year? That's my question,
0: you guys. I'll leave
1: off my part from that room.
0: I mean, I mean that, that that that's a very interesting rhetorical question to talk about. I mean, it could be different. It could not be. I mean, we've seen what Nick DeBruys could do. But anyway, that will wrap it up for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Really do appreciate you guys listening. You can follow me at Jacob one and at TV. You can follow my guy Shane Holcomb at Holcomb 5 And we will see you guys next week in Japan. Peace, guys.